They say confession is good for the soul. So I want to share with you one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. It was the last semester of my senior year at Singapore American School, and I was taking geometry. That's not even the punchline. Most of the other seniors in my senior class, they were taking AP Calculus 1 or AP Calculus 2. You know, in Singapore, it's normally either first place or second place in the world in math and science, so not much of a surprise, but I'm just, you know, an average American boy. And so here I am with a bunch of other freshmen and sophomore kids here in that class last semester of my sophomore year. Let's just say that math is not my strong suit. Fast forward to finals week. The test is presented before me. I sigh deeply. I do my best. But then let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a test before and just known with a complete sense of confidence that you failed it? Anybody ever been there before for those watching online? Have you ever just known? You just know. You just all right. I really messed this one up. I took that final, and I was like, Pythagoras who? I just did not do well at all. So I began to think through my very limited options. And by the way, the stakes could not have been higher. My dad was a Navy chaplain. We were on assignment there in Singapore. And they were waiting for me to graduate so that that summer we could move back to good old U.S. of A. So I was thinking, I don't know what's going to happen if I failed this. I, I don't know what's going to happen. So I thought through all of my options, which, again, were very limited. And to use a football terminology, I decided that my only option was to throw a Hail Mary. I took my test and I turned it over to the blank side and I decided to write a letter to the professor. <laughs> pleading for grace and mercy. I thoroughly, expl- I filled up the whole page, I promise you. I thoroughly explained my situation and I pleaded, I said, please just pass me with a D. So I filled that page with my pleadings. I turned in this final exam to the professor, and I prayed to never, ever, ever see her face again. And I just have to tell you, I had never been so happy in my life than I saw when I saw that D on the report card. It was just enough to pass me over the hump, and I could graduate on time. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a life-altering test before? Right, maybe you graduate and there's some kind of certification program. You know, have you ever taken some kind of life-altering test before where there's a lot that's actually hanging in the balance? The truth is that for most of us, tests aren't fun. We don't really like them. But look, let's just admit, tests are necessary. Right? I mean, professors, teachers, certifiers, they have to certify that the student knows enough to, to do their job. So, for example, I never want to board a flight and to hear the pilot say, I never quite passed flight school, but I think we can wing it. I never want to go, I never want to go into a potential surgery 
and hear the, doc, the doctor, the person say, I didn't graduate from med school, but I watched some cool YouTube videos. I'm feeling pretty good about this. No, I mean, we have to be able to certify students that they know what they're talking about. But I think for most of us, if we're being really honest, tests are scary. Unless you're weird and you love tests, but... But let me up the ante just a little bit. Did you know that God tests us too? It's true. The question is why, and what I want to do today is I want to talk to you for a few moments about why God tests us, and here's why this topic is actually so exceedingly important. Because so often, when we're being tested by God, God more often than not gives us a pretty challenging circumstance. The the way that he tests us is challenging to our faith, and most oftentimes, we're being tested for reasons that we're not even aware of. And what happens when we're being tested is we can go one of several ways. One way is to say, God must not exist because a good God would never allow the kind of test that I'm having in my life right now. Or some other people, they might say, you know, God must just be very far away from me. I just must be very evil and God must be very far from me because if, we were, if I was close to God, he would never allow this test to come into my life. But the truth is the exact opposite. The truth is that God is actually exceptionally close to us because God is doing the testing. And so look, this is really important for us to understand how this testing thing works because this could have faith-altering and, yea, even life-altering implications to us. So, so shall we do that today? I want to invite you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, and I want us to examine for a few moments today one of the most difficult tests that any human has ever been called to endure. It's the test of the the attempted sacrifice of Isaac by his own father, Abraham. Now look, here's how we normally tell the story. We kind of tend to sanitize it and or maybe skew the story just a little bit. Here's how we normally tell it, okay? Once upon a time, there was a great man named Abraham. Abraham was very old, and he had been pleading to God for a child, and God promised him a child. So they waited. And one day, God gave him Isaac, the child of promise. Abraham was very happy. But one day, God spoke to Abraham, and he commanded him, take your son, your precious son of promise, and slaughter him. And then Abraham didn't, take, didn't ask any questions. Abraham was so filled with faith, everybody, that he didn't question God at all. He just immediately took his butcher knife and said, okay, God, I'm going to kill my son. I mean, we don't say quite like that, but if you think about what the story is actually saying, that's basically what, kind of what it's saying. But I want to suggest to you for a moment that we often misunderstand what the story is actually about. Because you see, it's a story, actually, of what happens when 
God tests us and why God tests us. So I want to invite you. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. So first of all, I want to be really clear that the Bible teaches that God sometimes tests people. In fact, I want to share with you three examples in the Bible. First one from Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. The Bible says, And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he what? There he tested them. Okay, next one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather certain quota every day, that I may, there's that word again, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law or not. And okay, one more from Judges chapter 3 verse 1. And they were left that he might, it's a difficult word, that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the Bible is clear that God sometimes tests people most of the time for reasons that are actually completely unknown to them. And in Genesis chapter 22, the test starts simply enough. It starts with God calling out to Abraham. And with that, the clock and the test actually started. Now look, it's easy to gloss over this part of the story. We want to get to the juicier and meatier parts of the story coming up a little bit later. And so why are we pausing here? Here's why. Because if we do not understand why God gave him the name of Abraham, we're not going to understand this story. We're going to lose the plot. We're going to miss the point. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to go back a few chapters, and I want us to examine when it was that God actually changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Okay, so let's do that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17, and we're going to read in verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. Now, this is fascinating. Notice this. Abraham is 99 years old. He had left his Babylonian home 24 years earlier. And notice what God says. He says to him, Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Now, this term walking with God, it's actually used a few different times in the Bible. It's used in Genesis chapter 5 in reference to Enoch, where the Bible says, and Enoch walked with God. It's describing his relationship with God. 
It's also used in the chapter right after that, in Genesis chapter 6, when it's describing Noah's relationship with God. It says, Noah walked with God. But guess what? That's not what it's saying right here of Abram right now. In other words, it's not in the descriptive form, seemingly describing a past relationship. It's in the imperative form, designating walk before me now, be blameless, kind of like a judgment scene. Now the question is, why? Why would God, at this moment in Abram's life, he's 99 years old, why would God say, walk before me and be blameless now? Well, the evidence is clear that, unfortunately, Abram had not been faithfully walking with God his whole life. I mean, you remember Genesis chapter 12, God told him, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Genesis chapter 15, God told Abram, he said, look up into the sky and I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in heaven. And the Bible records that Abram believed God. But what happened? Time happened. In Genesis chapter 16, it says that After 10 years had passed in the promised land, that Abram and Sarah began to doubt God's promise. Because what happens to people when they're in the midst of a delay? Oh, they get tempted to doubt. So you have read that story before. 10 years have passed and Abram and Sarah are watching the passage of time. They're looking as the clock keeps turning and they're saying, God does not seem to be living up to his end of the, of the promise. So we've got to figure out, Abram, a way to help God out a little bit. And so Sarai says, look, why don't you take my servant girl, Hagar, and go and make a baby with her? And I would have perhaps expected a faithful Abram to say, far be it from me, wife, to do such a thing. How could I do that? No, we must remain faithful. God promised and he's going to do it. But what does the Bible say that he says? You know, according to Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, and I'm going to quote it from you from the King James Version, just because I think it sounds a little bit better in this particular scripture. And it says, and Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. In other words, he's like, okay, you don't have to tell me twice. Let's go, Hagar. I mean, what happened to this great man of faith in this time span of 10 years of waiting? Look, here's what I've noticed about how God tests us, and perhaps you've noticed this in your own life as well, that when God wants to test us, he doesn't slide a pop quiz in our side of the desk. When God wants to test us, he doesn't give us a multiple choice test, and no, he doesn't even ask us to write some kind of thesis, paper, or dissertation. Got this on the screen. This is how God tests us. God tests us by allowing trials to come in to our lives. Notice the scripture. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10. It says, Behold, I have 
refined you, but not as silver. I have what? I have tried you. In other words, I'm sending a, a try. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction. In other words, God tests us by allowing trials to come into our lives. A lot of the times, those are trials of difficulty, challenging trials, a trial of hardship, perhaps. But sometimes, God tests us in a different way. He doesn't test us by setting some kind of trial. Sometimes, God tests us by allowing a delay in his given promise. He says, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. This is how I'm testing you. Now, some of you are thinking, look, Rodley, if, if that's what it entails to be tested by God, then no thanks. I don't want to be tested by God any which way. I mean, God, can you just send me the little short pop quiz version? Can you just send me the little take at home test version? God, I don't want to be tested in those other ways. Is anybody having any bit of test anxiety this morning just a little bit? You're saying, I don't want to have to go through hardship, God. I don't want to have to go through difficulties. I don't want to have a delay in the promise that I've heard from God. But I want to share with you why God tests us. This is why God tests us. God tests you to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. Let me read that again. God tests you to prepare you so that your character, your heart, can be ready for your calling. So does God test us because he's an evil God? Does God test us because he, he wants to hurt his creation that he loves? No. He tests us because he's trying to do something in us. Notice what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, sometimes God test us by sending difficult circumstances into our life, but sometimes God tests us by sending a delay in his given promise. So that was Abram. He faltered in his faith with Hagar. And so God now said, you know what, I, I've got to allow a little more of a delay. There's, there's something I need him to be the father of nations, but I need to have a little delay yet. And have you ever noticed this in your own life as well? You know, God is saying, look, I need you with all of your gifts and talents for a specific purpose. There's something that I need you to do. But just trust me. I know you don't want this right now, but I've got to allow this particular challenge in your life right now. I know it doesn't make any sense, but just trust me, I've got to allow this particular challenge in, my, in your life right now. I'm doing something. 
To some of you, God is saying, look, I know you've been waiting for a long time on this promise. I know you have heard it from me and you've been holding on to it, but I've got to allow just a little bit of a delay in your life so that you can be ready for the fulfillment of that promise. So back to Genesis 17, 24 years have passed. Is now 99 years old. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. Look what the Bible says. It says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Abram, meaning exalted father. Abraham, meaning father of nations. And I want you to catch this. Let's focus now. This part is really, really important. The new name that God gave him designated a new phase in the mission for which he was calling him. It's almost like, and forgive me if this metaphor seems like a stretch, it's almost like God was installing a sleeper agent and he says, look, I'm giving you a key word now. It's not Abram anymore, it's Abraham. And know that whenever I call your name again, whenever you hear my name spoken, your name spoken by me, I am activating you now for the next stage of your mission. So notice what God does. He changes his name and then he never speaks his name again for 17 more years. Some of you are saying, well, wait a second, Rodley, what about Genesis chapter 18? I read the name of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. That's true. But that's God speaking to himself about Abraham. He's not addressing him and not calling him Abraham. We don't see that again until Genesis chapter 22. You see, God tests us by allowing trials of difficulty or delay to come into our lives. And sometimes, as I was told earlier, sometimes he allows both. Have mercy, Lord. You know what I've noticed in the Bible? That the greater calling God had upon someone, the greater the test it seemed they were called to bear. Have you noticed that? The greater the calling that God seemingly had upon these different Bible characters, the greater the test they were seemingly called to bear. So I just want to tell you, friend, if you are in the middle of some kind of affliction, if you're in the middle of some kind of challenge right now, if you're in the middle of some kind of delay in your life now, I want to claim, based on the Bible evidence that we see here, that I believe God has a powerful calling on your life. Do not let go. Do not give up. Keep holding on to God. Keep believing the promise that he's given you. Look, I I want to look at a timeline of Abraham's life because I know these dates can be a little bit confusing, all right? So first of all, we'll just call him Abraham. He was called at the age of 75. He said, leave your home, go west to this land that I'm going to give you. He left at the age of 75. But then according to Genesis chapter 16, verse 3, his faith faltered at the age of 85 with Hagar. So God said, look, he's he's not yet ready 
to be the father of nations. And so God then delayed for 14 years, and he was 99 when the new name and that phase of his mission was given. But yes, even after this, it wasn't until 17 years later that God speaks his name to him again. Until that day, there was Abraham, there was handsome Isaac. Laughter and joy reverberated through the air. The future seemed filled with promise and potential. And one day, God appears and speaks to him, and he says, Abraham. Now, I want you to notice something here in the story. Abraham has been waiting for this moment for 17 years. His response is ready. Evidently, he had made up his mind. He said, God, come what may, no matter what happens in the future, I'm going to say yes to the next mission that you're calling me to. He said, God, I know that I've failed a lot before in the past. I know I haven't been as trusting as I should have been in the past. But God, when you call me next, when you call my name next, I'm going to step up. And I'm going to move towards the next phase of your mission. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, God says, Abraham, and notice how he responds. He salutes and says, sir, yes, sir, here I am. Am. He seemingly accepted the mission before he even knew what it was he was being called to. Now, look, next week we're going to examine in detail the seemingly gruesome mission that God was proposing for Abraham. But for now, For now, we, too, remain in delay. For now, we remain in the tension. And let me ask you this question. What is it that you have been waiting on God for? What promise is it that you have been waiting on God for? I want you to remember something about how this works. Remember, this is the why. God tests you to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. That's the why. But this is the how. God tests you by allowing trials of hardship or delay. And I simply want to offer you an invitation right now. Every single week here at Pioneer, we we believe and we invite people to take some kind of next step in their walk with God. And so I simply want to ask you, what's the next step that you feel God calling you to make today? We actually have a few next steps. We'll put them on the screen here. By the way, we would love for for you to respond to these. You can simply text the word TEST1 with no space to the phone number that we use, 269-281-2345. So text that word, TEST1, 
and you'll see the next steps. So let's look at the first next step here. The first next step, the first response is simple a confession. I'm in the middle of a trial and need prayer. For those watching online, if you're in the middle of some trial right now, you need prayer, wouldn't be able to pray for you, just check that off there on the online connect card. And for those of us together here, how many simply want to confess and say, yep, I've got something going on. Just raise your hand wherever you are. I'm in the the middle of some kind of trial, okay? In the middle of some kind of trial, I need some prayer. God bless you. I see those hands. And if you respond to that, I'm going to be praying for you this week if you put your name on there. The second next step, I want to memorize Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Boy, I love that promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's one of the great Bible promises that we need to have in our arsenal to call upon in time of need. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know it doesn't make sense. God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? God, what's going on? Just claim that Bible promise. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Just hold on to this. If you want to memorize that, if you want to commit to memorizing that this week, just check that off as well. Finally, maybe your next step is, you're saying, I want to trust in God's preparation so that my character can be ready for my calling. Say, I, I'm going through some stuff in my life and I, just, I really need to be able to trust God based on what I'm going through right now. So if that's you, just check that off. And by the way, we have lots of other next steps that you can respond to. If you've never been baptized before, if you want to receive Bible studies, be involved in a ministry, you can let us know about that next step as well right on the Connect card. And I simply want to pray with you now. So let's pray that God would do his good work in our life. Father in heaven, I want to pray for every single person that made some kind of decision today. And Lord, you know this better than we do, that oftentimes when we are tested, we are just frail. We bend and we break we hurt. It's hard for us to go through these tests, Lord. And so I pray, Father, that for every single one of my friends, for those here in person, for those watching online, may it be just as it was for those three Hebrews in the book of Daniel when they were tested on their obedience. Where they were thrown into this cauldron of fire, this oven but the Bible records that the presence of Jesus himself was with them and so Father for every person that's going through some kind of struggle for every person that has some kind of delay in their life right now for every person that's experiencing some kind of challenge Father I pray that more than ever before please I pray that you would Reveal yourself to them and be even more real in their life. 
So thank you for being with them and for everyone else that made some kind of next step today. Father, we place our lives once again into your hands, and we just thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.